0: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Synesthesia season 2. I am Enrico and also this time I'm next to my co-host, good friend and partner in crime, Art Director Raisa Pardini. Ciao Raisa, how are you?
1: Good thanks. Busy and groovy.
0: Great vibe at The Standard, isn't it?
1: So good.
0: We are recording from the radio studio in the library lounge of The Standard Hotel London our brand new partner that's pushing our show within the programming of their sometimes radio. Once again thank you Nick thank you Louis for believing in our project. Raisa do you agree that uh, if people are in London they should just uh, drop by the standard, uh, grab a drink uh, and check this venue out themselves uh, because it's just one of the hottest places in town. We've got great people, good cocktails, food, music books from the former Camden library and of course uh, Amazing radio hosts around.
1: <laughs> maybe you catch us, maybe you won't. <laughs>
0: Raisa, before they catch us, do you want to introduce the two creatives from London who are in the studio with us today?
1: Yes, indeed. Our guests today are the Kenyan Award-winning movie maker and creative director Jeremy cole and the photographer and creative director Mark Graham. Together they founded Jude Studio in 2019. And since then, they've been collaborating with some of the best talents stemming from London underground scene. Artists such as Little Sims, Koji Radical, Ha Cleo Sol, Jeshi. Today, they'll be taking us through their main cultural influences, creative framework and music collaborations with a special focus on the one with Little Sims, whose symbi was widely acknowledged as one of the best and most disruptive 2021 albums.
2: Synesthesia, a show about the creatives who are shaping the aesthetics of music. We chat to the minds behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and styling of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Synesthesia, the artists behind the artists.
0: Hello guys, welcome to Synesthesia. How are you? How do you like the studio vibes?
2: It's lovely man, it's very cozy in there, loving it. Yeah, beautiful. It feels warm, feels nice, nice view. And
0: how is your spicy kombucha, the (laughs) official (laughs) Synesthesia drink? It
1: it became the
0: official. uh, (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. I might come back for some more, just for the
3: podcast.
2: It's great, isn't it? (laughs) Experience, 100%.
3: Yes. So,
0: Appreciate I will it. start uh, from the basics, uh, Raisa, if you don't mind.
1: Sure. Jeremy, we are aware that you're an eclectic artist who knows uh, how to paint, illustrate, take photographs, direct shorts, movies and music videos. Marco, how about you? Uh, you're a photographer, video maker and you're more in the music management of side, side of things, right?
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, so, I mean, to be honest with well, you, I started more doing photography and... Um, I started sort of... When I first started, I was documenting um, the Graham scene and a lot of my friends happened to be Graham MCs and I was, yeah, just documenting their journey, them going to Pirate Radio and doing all these sort of things and then sort of fell into management um, like managing a friend who a guy called Fred Wave incredibly talented artist um, who still puts out great music even now mm. yeah sort of fell into that really and then through all of this was directing in the meantime as well just with friends again just working with friends and yeah me and Jeremy linked up and sort of have built what we've built so far Jeremy, how about you?
0: Where do you come from culturally? What's your background?
3: Filmmaker, I consider myself British and African I was born in Kenya and moved here when I was like three, four years old. Got into filmmaking after, like when I was in college, when I was in uni, I was always interested in films and music and football, but I was never good enough to be professional at football or music, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Um, So films was always something that I wanted to do and telling stories was always something I wanted to do. I guess I've been doing it for about like 15 years now. Since then I've just, I've been lucky enough to kind of like find and work with people that I respect and value and share say similar interests.
0: Marco told us that uh, he's coming from the grime scene. I reckon we're talking about uh, 2012, 2013.
2: In 2013, to be honest with you, I was just like in studio. So I don't know if I was involved in the scene or if I, I don't know if I was really a serious photographer. I think I was just like around my friends, but I think around 2014 like, to like 16, I'd say, or 17 around that time. Was there, but I was sort of really, I suppose, capturing people that are kind of big now, like the novelists, like AJ Tracy's, like Jams, like people that big zoos like you know what i mean when they were just trying something on the radio I suppose.
0: <laughs> so marco has the names what about you jeremy were you <laughs> were you in a specific uh, subculture in a specific scene or just uh, gravitating towards different uh, interests and uh, hobbies
3: definitely not in a specific scene i've never felt like that again in this is growing up in london i feel like i was around a lot of music all the time not just growing music i feel i personally as a young person was into grime and garage but also i was into indie music i was into electronic music i was into dance music i was into what my mum would play so i feel like both of us as well have been surrounded by a lot of music and not necessarily wouldn't consider ourselves to be from one solo or specific genre or background and i feel that still plays mm-hmm. within our, what we do i feel like yeah just being open to conversations with those that are around us and those that inspire us you know
0: were there an artist that you were particularly fond of when you were a teenager?
3: To be fair, I was into hip-hop a lot, but I think um, when I was like 16, 17, Soy Solid's crew were like huge in our like country and they're like one of the first artists of that kind of um, garage i guess to really blow up and to make it big um and they were just down the road from me so they were all like
0: just if you think about it it hasn't changed a lot from 2001 to 2021 22 since there is a big uh, a huge garage revival right now
2: so the sounds uh, are quite similar aren't they i would say in a sense but i feel like a lot of that is nostalgia in a way you know what i mean like i think at the moment we're going through like I don't know if people have run out of ideas. I don't know, but there's a lot <laughs> of you know people that look back and we reference the past a lot, and it's not a bad thing. We do it even, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's a maybe when we was in the '90s or whenever that was, we weren't really looking at you know copying mm-hmm. someone else. We were just like, oh, this is now. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. now we're very much.
1: It feels that you could mm-hmm. still be inspired without ripping too much off, uh, like a decade two decades ago. Right now, it's more like a you know grab other things. Yeah. Different cultures
3: and but to counter that though just to add to or to add to that mm-hmm. more, more than anything i feel like what i love about creatives in the uk specifically from what i see is people have always been really good at adapting and borrowing from what's around you and mm-hmm. make that's how like drum and bass garage and Everything grime and all happened anyway mm-hmm. so it's all like an evolution even i remember when i was young people would look down at garage and grime because it was like yeah. you're just you're just stealing. you like you're lazy. You're not doing anything. And now we look back at it, it's like oh these guys were innovators. Yeah. So I feel like people are always innovating yeah. and people are always. Um,
1: I feel that's the beauty of Britain. You know, obviously, between a lot of different conversation happened this couple of years. But you know, Britain is a place where there's a lot of different cultures coming and uh, by celebrating mm-hmm. people and community, everyone's getting inspired by different things and mm-hmm. you can't help it, right? Let's yeah, hope that he doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> it's the
0: good side of contamination. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy introduced uh, introduced a very interesting word, which is uh, borrowing. Mm. In fact, I'm going to serve the last question to you on this uh, borrowing, Raisa. Yeah,
1: we wanted to know if there was uh, maybe a music video that you watched mm. and left you speechless, you know, when you were younger and uh, um, make you think you know this is this is something that i can i can do
0: or we can put it even more generally what have been your main sources of inspiration visually like Raisa said uh, the video or any video makers uh, photographers uh, who really left a mark on you
2: initially if we were to talking about like, just a pure music video the flying lotus i think is when the quiet mm-hmm. comes or something like this mm-hmm. that that was probably one video that for me personally just as a young person seeing it and I suppose being, I don't know where I was, maybe college or university or whatever at the time but it was like that was something that blew my mind and it was something that, you know, sort of l- was left open so, mm-hmm. you know, you could sort of look at it through so many different angles and it's such a simple, you know, it's a dance, it's a performance but it still is, you know, open to so many different ideas. That was something for me Marcos, personally.
0: you know that you are killing me right now because <laughs> in the first season of Synesthesia, yeah. Another guest mentioned the same flying lotus video. Really, yeah. but now I can't recall whose guest was it. Ah. So we'll spend <laughs> the rest of the show thinking who was that it. That video anyway, blew a lot very, of his Very, very, very good yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah, iconica yeah. yeah. sure. it influenced a lot of people.
3: I like. I think growing up, and this is before I was even into or considering thinking about doing music videos. I used to love Chris Cunningham videos just because he would fully take you away from anything you're expecting from I admired that myself just seeing that I was like shit someone can actually you can do anything with the music video you haven't got to do um, just a pop performance or anything you can go you can like scare people you can make people feel horrified or you can make people feel good and I think yeah that got me and then like as I started getting into
0: do you have a specific video by Chris Cunningham in mind? Uh,
3: it was the um the window liquor video by um mm-hmm. What's the name? Aphex Twin. Mm. Um, like that's just like nuts, man. And But then also I feel like I really loved abstract videos. Like there was um, Massive Attack did a video called Splitting the Atom. Um, I forgot who even directed it. I think it's Edward Salier. But it was, again, it was just a beautiful, beautiful little story that was like, really well.
0: Now that I know your references, uh, mm. I've been thinking about uh, the videos uh, you shot for Little mm. Sims. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first gig was the video of 101FM in 2019. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about it?
3: i had been working with Sims on her Great Area album, which 101FM was on. We'd already done one video from it, um, which was like a next to nothing budget. Me and Marco actually, Marco was on yeah, set ta- for that. Yeah, yeah, it, was yeah. like, it was literally <laughs> just three of us on set. And that was for Boss and it was the most kind of like stripped back crew you could ever imagine but it was good so then after that she had one-on-one fm to do I can't I'm trying to remember I think Mia and Marco just kind of like digested the song and but she contacted
0: you Jeremy you were the one already in touch with her because yeah, yeah. you had worked uh, previously
3: so you with Sims like that's my sister like we've known each other forever so whenever there is um, a project that she's doing or we talk a lot like we we t- even if I'm not doing it we communicate and we talk and we kind of like I like to try and just help her visualize what she wants to achieve really um
0: so this is beautiful and it was a very important piece of information mm-hmm. for our audience because, uh, She's not actually my sister. I know. I know. <laughs> 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 also well, that even if she the was, there wouldn't be an issue. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think that most of our listeners, uh, actually, a good part of our listeners uh, are young, like uh, students yeah. uh, or people who are just uh, kicking off their career. Yeah. And they want to know how people like you end up working with the ba- biggest uh, acts. Uh, Mm, in the uh, world right now, so this is—it's uh, nice that you share that, like, uh, you grew up together.
3: So we—we we, not we grew up. I mean, I'm maybe like eight years older than her, but I feel we when she was starting her career. Like, and again, it was through that TV program that I did Fall to the Floor. Um, worked with her a little bit, and then I did her first music video. It's not something that happens often enough in the music industry, I feel, because a lot of artists already have control over them. So they'll, they'll have a, either a label or a management team who will effectively influence everyone they work with and how it happens. Whereas with Sims and I, she she had a management at the time who definitely like in like put us together and help that relationship it was always from the beginning always just about talking and building up and I feel like that's how we would like to work with everyone we work everyone we have worked with so far it's been that relationship we just kind of like um, building a trust yeah and let's not let's try and remove all of the as many middlemen as possible let's try and like there's no point in us having a call with 20 people talking through an idea exactly let's actually yeah. just sit down let's tr- work it out let's talk about what is you want and let's work out mm-hmm. how we can help you get there maybe
0: Raisa sure. there is a theme here if you think about the two episodes we launched before this one with uh, Luis Perez mm-hmm. and Robert Beatty yeah they also both said that they like to work more Working with artists hands-on. with whom they can build a relationship mm. And they have, uh, and so on in the creative process. Yeah, it's
1: fascinating to see how much creative you can get when you feel like you can talk, have a conversation with other artists, because you're not gatekeeping anything, but rather you open yourself up to another mm-hmm. artist, 100%. and then it's almost giving and taking, and then uh, it's all towers making something better, mm-hmm, <laughs> never worse. Definitely, so, I
2: think I, th- I was just gonna say, I think like ultimately, oh, mean, a lot of these artists, it's like even with their music if they're not being vulnerable in it or with their art they're not really being vulnerable in it but it's that thing of you know when you get to the core of that person and you show that and it feels real it's like that's I don't know it's something that none of us can really control in a way you know but it's like finding out what that core is, is A part of the process for us, that the biggest it's part, yeah, massively.
0: As you said, it's real, it's genuine, <laughs> but it's also professional. Yeah. In fact, now we would like to know how your creative relationship with Little Sims has developed has evolved from 2019 to 2021, which was the year of uh, Simbi. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, I might be introvert, her uh, award-winning album, one of the best albums of 2021. Jeremy, take us uh, through the um, evolution of your vision, her vision, and the overall creative process. 100%.
3: 100%. So just after we finished Grey Area, the last album, she works fast and she's always thinking about the next thing. So she called me, we sat down, we we, we talked through what is she wanted to do, asked her openly, like, what is this album? What does she want to try and achieve? And she ran me through it, basically. And it was like the first time I've ever heard her talk with, like, so much... Clarity on what it is she she wants to achieve and where she wants to be and how she wants this music to be digested and heard and it was so that was even back in 2019 when I first started hearing the album and she was st- she started building it and yeah I think between us it was always that case of like I knew what it is she wanted to achieve and that was the best starting place then we start building out the themes um what's the album about and it was all the whole creative conversation was all built around this idea of trying to cut away from the noise and create your own space create your own world so visually that's exactly what we tried to do with the, the album cover like it's about we didn't want the campaign to have like one specific color we wanted it to feel like it was like an endless color wheel of so many things and so 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 much space and also for it to not feel like it was based in the real world that's where we came with the album Cover campaign and concept, and then all of the videos and ideas kind of built stemmed away from there. You know?
1: Yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah, we are particularly interested in um, the "I Love You, I Hate You" video and visualizer, both featuring paintings within the video. Um, oh, wow. We were very impressed by "Woman," um, which is a stunning aesthetic as well as political portrait of female Black power and artisan identity. So there's so much to show, like you said and so much to include in the same visual, but that's part of the vision, right?
3: Yeah, totally. And, I, um, and again, what I'd say with all of those projects is all my role in this all leads from Simbi. So it all leads from what she wants and how she sees things. So how I help her is by exactly like talking through that and then brainstorming ideas and just going back and forth. So even with Woman. In fact, she didn't want it to be a political statement about... Purely because, I think, as a black woman, everything she does, I guess, gets interpreted as a political statement. So what she wanted to do was actually have, especially after 2020, especially after so much kind of tension and anger... She wanted to do something that was a celebration and just mm-hmm. something that felt good and something that was like people could watch and just put a smile on their face, you know? So that was the whole... Um,
0: a celebration of uh, beauty. Yeah, man. Of uh, black beauty. Yeah, exactly. Black beauty just and existing and being... Exactly, There is a sweet spot in my heart uh, for one specific scene, which is the staircase dance. I find it uh, really fascinating and I love it. And especially in that scene where we see these... Uh, five black women dancing and behind them there is this background Mm. of all the renaissance uh, frescoes I reckon you did that, you created that contrast on purpose or was it casual?
3: I guess partly intentional um, but again also with the choreography pick up Chloe Dean who's was the choreographer behind that and literally brought the whole thing to life but again going back to the whole theme of celebration the idea was just that there was limitless potential to how you could showcase yourself and what you, how you could own yourself. So the idea of these women in this house was this idea of just this whole kind of like takeover where perhaps once upon a time, those women wouldn't have been welcome on that staircase or in that environment, particularly in what they were wearing. This was a celebration that, look how good it looks. You know? Yeah, look how great we are. That's that's I feel it.
1: that it's also a celebration of mm. female, you know, um, and I wanted to ask you mm. <laughs> a tricky question. How hard is to craft such a feminine story through the lens of a male glaze?
2: Being a man and sort of, I don't know, a lot of our, I think all of our work has been mainly with female acts so far as well, even the you, and um, it's obviously something you're aware of in a way. Um, for me personally, I mean, I grew up, I've got four little sisters and... Wow. Not to say that it allows me to no, no, see no. from a woman's perspective <laughs> at all or no, nothing like that. that no, but, it's important. But though, I think yeah. it's like, when we create stuff, we always... I, for me personally, anyway, but if anything with women in, I sort of consider, would my little sister, if she saw this, you know, how would it impact mm-hmm. her or how would it influence mm-hmm. her maybe? Mm-hmm. And I think it's allowed me to steer clear off a lot of sort of clichés that you see in music videos or things that mm-hmm. we could easily have in any of our work if we wanted to. And we, thus far, we haven't, you know, touched mm-hmm. wood. So... um for me personally but 100% no and I
3: think also with everything we do and every project we do we're not we're not trying to impart our story all the time it's always about so with Sims with Cleo Soul with the arts we work with it's about their story it's about what they represent and we can we don't try and look at it from how how do we see you and how can we put that it's like how do you see yourself how do you see your craft how do you see your art and then how can we humanise that how can Mm -hmm. we bring that out you know For me, I think it's about expanding on the stories that we see. I feel like there's not just in the UK, but I think in general, there's a very kind of like 2D perspective of culture, black culture and in general, just culture. I feel so. I feel like what I want to do um, through you and what I want to do um, as an artist myself is definitely try and open up what people see and let people see more stories let people see more realities
2: definitely and I mean for me yeah I would say I don't know I think when we first started it we was aware that you know sometimes you compromise when you make work and um, it's in a way it's us never compromising you know mm-hmm. not not in a sort of creatively but I mean just, well creatively but then also just in a sense of for what we believe in in a sense you know like not allowing ourselves to be easily moved away from our perspectives, if you come I in, our morals, or the things that we stand by and believe in, and um, <laughs>
0: amazing. And you set the mood for us to talk about the next uh, video we wanted to sort of analyze with you, which is the canvas one for uh, black on black. Honestly, that scene, the final scene, which we see also in the cover of the Union Jack burning, and we see the reflection in this kid's eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's impressive and it's a very poetic way of putting across uh, that message because we all know what the message uh, is to a certain extent. Would you describe your work as uh, political? I think it can
2: be. I think it can be. I don't think our work is exclusively political, but... Yeah. Can be. I mean, on I'm, I would say I'm ultra-political, to be honest with mm. you. If I'm completely honest, I'm very political and I think I'm very aware of it and not that I, I would never want my work to be out and that political and I think that's the beauty in that, that scene even like it says so much even though it's such a simple thing but um, I don't think we want our work to be perceived as overly political if you get I mean in the same way that like The Simpsons is political you know like yeah. it's <laughs> it is but we, it's not just the only thing. It's my favourite character Yeah <laughs> mine as well mine as well this is what I, I mean. It's, one. Um,
1: it's almost becoming ultra reality instead of the ultra-political you just uh, give us a perspective on what reality is and if the reality needs to have something political in it or your your opinion on something or the vision of an artist then you have to be true with yourself and do it that's probably Mm. the way that you work
2: well I was just gonna say on that particular scene again should we speak on it? I mean we should (laughs) we should I mean that scene that particular scene was a thing where like people weren't too sure like, like when we suggested burning the union flag I'll be honest with you during the time that it was, and it was like there was a lot of angry people, maybe, and people thought people were going to riot and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It wasn't the done thing. And um, now looking back, it's like we like, we get what we was trying to say, you know. But I think at the time, it's like it's a tricky thing to sell to someone as well, you know. <laughs> like.
3: yeah. yeah, we crafted a lot in terms of what, um, in terms of ideas we yeah. wanted to um, put in and how we wanted to tell this story and we didn't want to do anything too linear we wanted to do something that I guess invoked a feeling um, but again what I'd say in that video as much as there is that kind of the demonstration of anger and anarchy there's also the um, hope there's a lot yeah and there's a lot of beauty in it like there's which is what we wanted to say it's not we didn't want to say something that look we're black people and we should be angry at the world and um, it's more like we wanted to show the pride as Mm -hmm. well so show the pride first and foremost that's what this is all about and this is where this all stems from Mm
0: -hmm. and when uh, rage and beauty can coexist Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much life Mm -hmm. I think it's even uh, more meaningful than when you have uh, a very calm state of mind you are privileged uh, and then uh, you can, it comes a sort of uh, easier to experience beauty. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the ability of creating a beauty and uh, hope uh, out of contexts uh, that are otherwise uh, harsh, it's not to be taken for granted.
3: hundred yeah. percent. And I also think the, if you want to show, and this isn't just down to that video, I feel like in art in general, I feel like if you want to show and really allow people to understand anger truthfully you've got to take them through an access point you can't just kind of like um, and that access point is sometimes a lot more accessible if it's comedy or if it's love or if it's beauty or if it's something where you can allow people to see the perspective before the anger you know that's the most important thing sometimes
1: yeah you showed the journey how, how did I become yeah angry, you know? yeah and
3: also that's not and try and showcase that that is not the identity the identity no. of black people is not angry it's no not identity. it's not trying to be um revolutionary all the time
2: definitely and but that's what i was going to say the main thing i think is like and in that video you see i mean there's the children playing you see like his grandparents you know that there's a lot of things in it that are just beyond the the, the t- typical quote of oh yeah we're angry people but mm-hmm. I don't know if we even are angry. This is the <laughs> <way>. <laughs> At times, of course, you know, everyone is. Yeah. This is this is it. But I don't I don't know if we're genuinely, you know
3: <laughs> Like with that, like I think the beauty of that was not trying to do something that's over explained. I love art that can you can put out there and people can interpret it. And I don't feel like there's a if you can feel an emotion from it, there's not a wrong emotion to feel. Mm. So if that's if that's how people feel from it, then great. But I just feel like the more that everyone, not just us, everyone can put out authentic art out there, then the better um, everyone can be understood, you know?
0: Agreed. So you work with the youth, you work with artists, young mm-hmm. up-and-coming artists such as Bas Alieu, Cambu, Coget Radical, Clio Soul. What do all these uh, young artists uh, have in common, according to you? Is and I am <laughs> particularly interested in a visual comparison between uh them so this new generation Mm. of alternative artists and the previous one the generation
2: of uh, grime artists uh, Mm -hmm. of the um, early 2010s i mean i would say i think the new generation are maybe a bit more experimental and a bit more you know pushing to try different sounds and maybe they don't have to do this everything doesn't have to be a particular bpm or you know a particular Mm. thing Mm. it can just be whatever which is amazing Mm. for us the possibilities are expanded now aren't it like yeah people are probably not scared you could be a lot more individual now yeah, i would exactly.
0: say how about their visual storytelling so yeah. the way they manifest themselves which is what you care about as a creative <laughs> director totally. and video makers
3: i think personally i feel like there's a lot more people are starting to understand the importance of being truthful to yourself and actually like showcasing yourself for who you are i definitely remember when i started out in the industry, the horizons were way uh, narrower in terms of what you could actually, or at least how people thought they could um, put themselves out. Whereas now, I feel like there's a lot of artists who, and you, from what you hear, from what you see, it's, it feels a lot more limitless and people are tapping into trying out different things. And I feel like that comes the same with visuals.
0: Talking about the current music landscape, we need to close with our two columns. The first one is Word on the Street. Word on the Street
1: so if you can tell us about uh, an up and coming artist that you like to collaborate with
2: dream big Marco dream big <laughs> well, Oh, if I, no 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 but okay if I'm dreaming big Blood Orange we need to work oh. with you mate high Blood Orange if you, please, orange, yeah. please, um, if you need someone second. to bring cappuccinos yeah. To yeah, I'm gonna help Dev you need to shout us um, but also there's, there's people I mean if I was speaking to up and coming people there's an artist called Alpha Mist who I'm like he's not well he's sort of known but Someone that I listen to a lot, um, and then if he's talking about like artists as well, there's another artist called I'm um, the Creative on Instagram. Guy that draws, and he's a younger. I think he's in uni right now, but like he's someone that like me as a quote unquote adult, I look at his work, and you know it makes me wanna. So Marco
0: already picked the box for the next column, which is uh, flavors, oh, and oh this is the column in which we <laughs> ask you to share with us your favorite Instagram page. Oh and uh, a mm. local spot in london but first uh, jeremy um, I uh, sorry I, did, really I didn't prepare you <laughs> i was just like yeah. you just had
2: it <laughs> jeremy
0: you yes. go first with the up and coming artist uh, or a big one you would love to collaborate with do
3: you know definitely dev hines i think is um someone who i'd love to work with to be fair i'd love to work with FKA twigs just as in some capacity i feel like her, the scope of what she does and yeah it's just hugely inspiring I feel like I'd love to I'd love to be making work like that look um,
0: she's always around the Broadway market London fields <laughs> so once uh, you can, can just can, go for a coffee so yeah you hours. can come to our <laughs> end because uh, both rice and I live uh, in East London yeah, we can have a beer together and maybe we so I need sitting a business next cards for that yes and
2: yeah, some binoculars maybe <laughs> we'll stand around waiting for <laughs> so uh,
0: Devines FKA Twigs FKA Twigs Afro-meast. This was for Word on the Street. Now it's time for... Slavers.
1: Some local spots or venues in London where you like to go or just like to recommend, please.
2: In my area, Walthamstow, there's a Caribbean restaurant called Jerk Fusion who uh, support, Who have been supporting my um, ideas. I mean, just feeding me, keeping me healthy <laughs> <laughs> for an incredibly long time. So big up them. Jeremy. Uh,
3: to be honest, when I go out, i walk man like i don't really go to places like so i think if for people in general in london i love south bank if people do need like a little bit of space and escape like that's beautiful or if you want to head outside of london go to bushy park near where i live yeah you can just kind of like escape everything and enjoy your mind
0: any venue london venue you guys uh, love
2: it's so strange we mostly go to Museums, you know, we spend a lot of time mm, in the Tate, I think. Mm, more, maybe more mm, time in the Tate than we do <laughs> in any one venue. Last a
0: second, your Instagram page, Jeremy, before we forget.
3: Off the top of my head, Jazz Grant, who's a collage artist, mm. and um, yeah, her work's just beautiful and amazing. I feel like she's much bigger than an Instagram page, so I wouldn't even put her down there, but
0: yeah. You don't have to take notes because uh, we will share these. Um, artists and the mood boards created by Jeremy and Marco on our Instagram page. Once the episode is out, Stressful. go and follow us at synesthesia underscore podcast. Big up. Guys, <laughs> it was our pleasure to have uh, you here in the studio. Finally Thanks. this is the very first episode we are recording in person.
1: It, it is gets it addicting I think it's <laughs> much much, <laughs> much better. better.
3: The audio quality would be so much nicer. I, I
1: know. Yeah. We will be so relaxed as well to be around <laughs> each other and not Zoom call. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Keep <laughs> up Respect the good you. work. Huh? Likewise, Thanks for, uh, you for too. for
1: being here. You just listened to Synesthesia, the
2: artists behind the artists, a show recorded from the standard London Library Lounge, produced by Sometimes Radio. Subscribe to our Spotify channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesia_podcast. podcast.